All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Baptism Sunday is so much fun around here. We have about 100 people being baptized this morning. So fun, I just makes everything we do around here worthwhile. Good to see people go into the waters of baptism. And what I love about every one of them, there's a story. Every one of those people have a story of being found, of being pursued, of saying yes, of redemption. They all have a testimony now. And I love that, I love that song. I love singing that song while watching them go into the waters. It's beautiful this morning. All right, turn with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter six. Uh, I wanna say thank you for your faithful giving to the church. Normally we have a moment where we uh, encourage you to give, but if you don't see the worth of investment here, if you can't see how worthy this place to invest in after this morning, I can't do much for you anyway. So the Lord's moving among us. We're seeing people come to Christ. We're seeing people discipled, and I'm grateful for that. In Galatians chapter six, this is the last Sunday in our series through the book of Galatians. And here's the one thing that I hope that you have caught as we have walked, I think, 10 or 11 weeks through the book of Galatians. Here's the one thing I want you to catch, is that Jesus is still enough. You don't have to add anything to him. You don't have to take anything away from him or add anything to him. The person of Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the one who went to the cross and to a borrowed tomb and was resurrected on the third day, the one who ascended outside the city gates of Jerusalem and now sits on the right hand of God the Father, he's enough. His, his, his forgiveness is enough. His grace is enough. His kindness is enough. Amen to that? And so that's what Paul was saying to the people of Galatia when he wrote the letter to them. Don't give up on the grace that you heard in the very first time I was with you. The grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Christ is still enough. And now as Paul is about to wrap up the letter, he's about to be super encouraging to the people who have read the letter. Because as you know, Galatians 1, Galatians 2, and Galatians 3, Paul's a bit aggravated. He's angry, he's upset. But in Galatians chapter six, you can see the fatherly, pastoral, nurturing side of Paul come out. And he is, the kindness of Paul, the kindness of this letter is in full force here. And so the message today is don't give up, don't quit. One of the things that my parents did well for me, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the, my mom and my dad who were really good parents to me and my brother and my sister. There's three of us, I have an older sister, I have a younger brother, I'm a middle child. Any other middle children in the room that we all, all survivors, and yep, sandwich kids is what we call each other, right in the middle. So I was the middle child. But one of the things my mom and dad did well is they never let me quit something. I remember as a little kid, you know, I was getting ready to maybe join a baseball team or be a part of a school play or whatever it was. My mom and dad, without fail, would look me in the eye and say, Brady, count the cost. I can hear my mom's voice, count the cost. Because once you start something, you can't quit. And I can promise you, in fact, I remember this one baseball team I joined. I was seven or eight years old and I lived in East Texas at the time. And it was like the early summer and it was like 140% humidity and 900 degrees outside. And, and we had, anybody from Texas knows that that's how it feels in June and July. And I remember like middle of the afternoon, we were having this practice and I wasn't getting to play very much because I was small and I was terrible. And so it was a bad combination. And so I didn't want to go to practice. In fact, I wanted to quit. I remember being in the back seat of the car and I looked at my mom and said, I don't want to play on this team anymore. I want to quit. And she said to me, Brady, you said yes to this. I told you when you committed to the team, 
You cannot quit. Now, as a little child, that got seared into my soul because I can promise you there have been multiple times I've wanted to quit what I'm doing. I've wanted to take the easier path. I wanted to, to choose comfort over duty. I've wanted, all of us in this room knows what it feels like to want to quit. In fact, in the last year and a half, it seems like quitting has, been, has become the real pandemic in our culture. We quit our friends. We quit our churches. We quit our, 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 our relationships over the silliest of things. Quitting has become pandemic. And Paul is reminding us not to give up. Galatians chapter six, we're gonna read seven, eight, and nine. It says, verse seven, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, now he's talking about putting something in the ground. He's using agrarian language here. He's talking about cultivating the soil, putting good seed into good soil, covering it, fertilizing it, keeping the weeds away, putting a proper amount of water on it. He's saying, whatever you sow, you will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. By the way, this is what is happening in our culture today. People have asked me, Pastor Brady, what is going on? Why is our culture feel so broken? It's because of this, we're sowing to our flesh. In other words, we're doing whatever we want to do, whatever makes us feel good. We are, we're using others for our own benefit. We're manipulating relationships for our own benefit and we're sowing to the flesh. And when you do that, you reap corruption. That's what's happening. However, there will be a group of people always on the planet and there's a group of people on the planet today sitting in front of me who sows to the Spirit and will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, Paul is saying if all of that is true, if that is certain, if you believe verses seven and eight, then consider verse nine. And let us not grow weary. Don't grow weary while doing good things. I wanna stop here for a moment and I wanna to say to all of you sitting in the room and all of you watching online, you're doing well. You've done good work. And I think it's been a long time for some of you that anybody has looked you in the eye and encouraged you. And so I wanna take this opportunity today as your pastor and I'm gonna look you in the eye and I wanna tell you, you're doing good work. You've been a good mom and dad. You're a good husband. You're a good wife. You've been a good friend. You have served well when no one was watching. You have, done, you have obeyed the Lord and nobody has noticed and nobody has complimented you. Nobody has come and hugged you and put his arm around you and told you this, but I'm telling you today, you have done well. You're good people. You're good men, you're good women. You are good people. And the Lord comes today to say to you, well done, good job. This is what you need to hear today. I want this to be an encouraging message to those of you who have plowed through. You have remained faithful. You have been steadfast. You have been unmovable and unshakable. You have held your feet to the fire. You have, you have set your feet on the rock. You have kept your eyes on Jesus these last two years. And the Lord says to you, well done. Good work. Amen. So don't grow weary. Don't get tired right now. I know you're weary. I know you're tired from doing good. For in due season, in a time, in other words, this, this language here, in due season, means a time that's been appointed by God. God has established a future time 
in due season, when the time is right, in other words, when in, in proper time, he says, you will reap, we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. And I wanna show you a few things about this passage of scripture. The first thing he says is, you're gonna reap what you sow. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but every time I ever hear this, it feels like it's being weaponized against me. Oh, you're gonna reap what you sow. Do you know this is not a curse, it's a blessing. It's not, it, it is a promise. It is not something to be weaponized. In other words, the next time someone weaponizes this scripture against you, they find you doing something wrong, they say, you're gonna reap what you sow, say, thank God. Tell them, thank the Lord. I agree with you. I am going to reap what I have sown, and I am grateful for that. I am thankful that God has been watching my life. He has been taking good account of my life, and God is going to give me back what I have sown. So next time someone weaponizes that against you, tell them, I receive that blessing. Because do you realize Paul is not rebuking them here? Paul, this is not, a, this is this whole, I just read the whole text to you. Paul's not shaming them. He's not rebuking them. He's encouraging them. He's saying, listen, people of God, men and women of God, you're going to reap what you sow. And it's true about our bodies, like our, our physical bodies. Our bodies are the product of the food we've eaten and the exercise we've given it. This is a reflection of Popeye's chicken and one mile walks. This is it right here, this is what you see. This is what you get. I just wanna warn you ahead of time, if you go down the path that I've been going down, this is the work, the finished product that you're going to get. Anyway, I digress. Listen, you know what, I, I, at 54 and a half, I am discovering that it's harder to lose weight, right? I lost about 20 pounds last year, and it took me forever to do that. I remember when I was 15 years old, I could eat everything in the refrigerator and lose weight. Now, if I drive by a cheeseburger, I gain two pounds, right? That's what happens when your body gets older. I just wanna tell all you young men and women, eat like, it, eat like it's nobody's business right now. Enjoy, eat tacos, eat pizza, eat double cheeseburgers, because when you hit 30, you can no longer have any of those things. And I've also discovered that eating one salad does not lose 10 pounds. You know, you ever start a diet, you feel so good about yourself after two days, you know, you've eaten good for two days. What I've discovered is you have to eat well for about six months for it to have any effect on your body. But I do know this, that if, if I eat healthy, if I work out, if I put in the right things, over a long period of time, I feel remarkable, right? Because you reap what you sow. And their spiritual beings is the same thing. Our spiritual well-being, our spiritual beings are also the product of what we've consumed. New Life Church, I wanna encourage you right now to make sure you're consuming the right things. Make sure you have an appetite for the right things. Let me just tell you, when you come to New Life Church on the weekends, here's what you're gonna get. You're gonna, get, you're gonna get music and songs that point to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want you to pay attention to the lyrics of our songs. It's always Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all, almost all of it's vertical, pointing your eyes toward Jesus. And then you're going to hear the scriptures. We take the teaching of the scriptures seriously. Every Sunday without fail, we're gonna to come to the table of the Lord. We're gonna receive the cup and the bread. You're gonna be surrounded by people who are willing to pray for you and walk with you and live with you. Listen, why do we do the same thing every single Sunday? Because I'm trying to create in you healthy appetites for healthy things. Because I know this, I know this, as the people of God, if you will come here for six months in a row, 
If you'll make up your mind, I'm gonna be in this house, I'm gonna be in the services, I'm gonna be a part of a small group, I'm gonna go to those section parties, I'm gonna surround myself with the right people. I promise you, six months from now, you will be a different person because your appetites will change and what you consume will change. What you put in your body will begin to pay dividends, but it takes time. Do it every single day. Get up in the morning and welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Make up your mind every single day that you're gonna bless someone and serve someone, that you're gonna give your life away for the benefit of other people. And six months from now, you will be a completely different human being. Here's the problem. Most people give up way too quick. Because the hardest part is always the waiting. Well, Pastor Brady, I had a really good day yesterday. I did the right thing Tuesday. I got up on Wednesday. Listen, this is keep doing it. Keep praying. Keep, keep surrounding yourself with good people. Stay in the scriptures. Read the scriptures. Make sure that you are, are, are conditioning yourself for the right things. And I promise you, over a period of time, you're going to grow up. You're going to get stronger. In fact, you're stronger. You are stronger right now than you think. You are more capable than you've imagined. You have access to more strength and more power than you are probably accessing in your life. We, listen, we serve the resurrected Christ and the same spirit that raised him from the dead is now available to us. We now have all of the spirit working through us, in us. The hope, we have the holy scriptures. Listen, these scriptures are living and active. They're sharper than a double-edged sword. And when I consume them, when I bring them in, when I surround myself with these scriptures, it changes me from the inside out. I just have to make sure I'm, I have a regular diet and I have to be willing to wait. I learned a long time ago that the kingdom of heaven is more like a stew than a drive-through. It takes time to, to build a good stew. It takes time to cook good food. It takes hours of stewing and simmering. And listen, the kingdom of heaven is more like a stew. Think about the long run. Think about the end game. Think about the long expanse of time. And listen, at the end of your life, you will not regret following Jesus. At the end of your days, when you are dying and looking eternity in the face, I can promise you I've never had anyone on their deathbed look at me and say, I regret following Jesus. In fact, the thing that comes out of them is gratitude. I am so grateful that I gave my life, surrendered my life to following Jesus. Here's the second thing I want you to see is that you can become tired while doing good things. Paul says, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary while doing good. I, I think right now a lot of you are tired. A lot of you have gone through a tough season the last two years, and you're probably more fatigued than you know. And there's only one cure for being tired, and that is getting rest. You can't work your way out of fatigue. You have to rest your way out of fatigue. And I, 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 in fact, doing the right thing with no encouragement. This is why I paused a minute ago and encouraged you because doing the right thing with nobody encouraging you is exhausting. And some of you feel that. Where, where's the love? Has no one noticed? Yes, God's noticed. And right now, people are losing their minds right now. And I think really, if you, have you noticed that people that were once stable and predictable 
and mature are now doing things that are unstable, unpredictable, and immature. Have you seen this? Have you watched this? I have, I have friends that I, two years ago, I would have told you no matter what happens in their life, they're gonna stay steady, they're gonna stay strong, their focus is on Jesus, and I have watched the last two years people that I have known and trusted do silly things, and I think it's because they're tired. This is why Paul's telling you, listen, you're going to make mistakes when you are tired. When you are fatigued, you're prone to making mistakes. I was reading Wendell Berry. I don't know how many of you have read Wendell Berry's poems. I, I just recommend everything he's ever written. But Wendell Berry, I read this quote this week from Wendell Berry. He says, to be sane in a mad world is bad for the brain. Come on, somebody, have you felt that this the last couple of years? To be sane in a mad world is bad for the brain, but it's worse for the heart. What did Paul just tell us in Galatians chapter six? Do not grow weary while doing good. Don't lose heart. Don't lose your hope. So how do we get this back? How do we get back the sense of rest? There's only one way, and that is to pause and rest. Listen, you're never going to work well until you learn to rest well. One of the secrets that I discovered a long time ago that keeps me going, and I got a lot, I'm very busy, I have a lot going on, but I've learned that if I'm going to work well, I have to learn to rest well by honoring the Sabbath. And this is exactly what Jesus taught us. It was a rhythm that Jesus showed us in Luke chapter five. We hear this story of Jesus going from town to town and there were crowds of people all around him and they, he was praying for the sick and he was seeing miracles happen. I mean, he was, he was living in this epic moment. Everything that had been promised about the Messiah was happening around Jesus and he was super busy, crowds of people wanting his attention. And then right in the middle of that story, listen, right in the middle of that story in verse 16, it says, Jesus, even though he was busy, often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. New Life Church, I wanna encourage you that once a week for a 24 hour period, you need to be useless. I'm giving you permission to unplug and be completely useless. That's what Sabbath does for me. I turn off media, I turn off the pundits. Listen, I don't owe the pundits my time on TV. I, the, the news channels, I don't owe them a single dime or a single moment of my attention anymore. I turn it off, I, I calm down the noise. Withdrawing to a lonely place means getting to a place where your soul can be quiet, where you're not disturbed by the world. Do you have a time where you can unplug? And that the only way to refill your soul is to empty your soul of all the nastiness and the corruption that's come in. And Sabbath, what it does, it flushes out the old and brings in the new. You have to learn to rest well in order to work well. And in our American culture, we don't have a culture of rest. In fact, we make fun of people who are resting. But here's what I've discovered, by choosing Sabbath, by choosing that day, we're protesting our innate desire to trust and to worship our self-sufficiency. See, on Sabbath, what I'm saying is, Brady, you can't do this by yourself. Brady, by resting, I'm talk I talking to myself. I am, I, am, I am prophesying to myself when I choose Sabbath. And I say, Brady, stop. Brady, rest. 
The whole world will be waiting for you when you come out of Sabbath, I promise you. All of the things that you're wrestling with right now, they will be there when you, Sabbath is over. And what they'll get is a rested person, a rested saint, a rested man, a rested woman. And when you come into the world rested and full of God, you can then change the world. Here's what I've discovered about the, my, the walk that I'm on right now. When God sets you on a path, there are plenty of rest stops, but very few exit ramps. Listen, way too many people are getting out of the race right now. It's way too many people are quitting. Way too many people are stopping the work that God's called them to do. And the reason they're stopping is because they're exhausted. Listen, God has provided rest areas for your life. God's provided places for you to rest. He just doesn't want you to quit. Don't give up. And here's the last thing I want you to see about this story is that you have more strength than you know. You are more capable than you believe. Listen, let's go back to Galatians 6, first time. For in due season, you will, we shall reap. Go back to Galatians. Where's that? Put the Galatians 6 back up. You had it there just a moment. There we go. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. Listen to this. If you don't lose heart. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Buchenwald, but Buchenwald was a notorious camp in Germany in 1944. Uh, a lot of Jewish people lost their lives in Buchenwald camp. In fact, Germany, Germany, the nation of Germany had lots of camps, but Buchenwald was one of the most notorious. And as the Allied soldiers were coming from France, as the Allied soldiers were surrounding Berlin and they were about to liberate the nation of Germany from Nazi tyranny, the, the camps became even more notorious. At Buchenwald, they knew that when the Allied troops arrived that all those prisoners would get set free, so they began to speed up the execution of the prisoners inside Buchenwald. They doubled up the number of people they were killing every single day because they knew that when the Allied troops would arrive, those prisoners would be released. My, my cousin was killed in Germany in 1944. He was a part of the Allied troops that were advancing and liberating the nation of Germany. He lost his life inside the country of Germany as he was marching toward Berlin. I went and visited his gravesite the last time I was in my hometown. He was 19 years old, but he was a part of the Allied troop force that was surrounding and liberating camps like Buchenwald. I don't know if he ever got to see Buchenwald. I've never asked his parents about that, but I wonder if he was part of the force that helped liberate this prison camp, this, this, uh, this, this camp. Well, what happened is inside of Buchenwald, there was a group of Jewish people that knew how to uh, manufacture a Morse code transmitter. So inside one of the bunk houses, a group of men put together a rough kind of Morse code transmitter and they made contact with the Allied troops who were several miles away. And every single day they would send Morse code messages to the Allied troops. And so they had the messages recorded down. They're really kind of fun to go back and read some of the messages that were going back and forth between Buchenwald and the Allied soldiers. But the most common question was, are you close? Is help on the way? When will you be here? And the, when the Allied troops got within a few miles, they would begin to send back messages, hang on, we're coming, we're making, we're making progress. It'll only be a short time. So they were giving them hopeful messages back and they began trading these Morse code messages. Will something happen in the heart of those prisoners? Now, I'm not gonna show you the pictures today out of respect for them, but these are men that weighed 80 and 90 pounds. They were almost starved to death. They were almost dead. 
They were gaunt figures. They were, they were just skeletal figures at this point. And there was a lot of people wonder how they even survived at this point. But something happened in their heart when they found hope. And they rallied their strength and they actually overtook the armed guards and, and took their weapons from them and put the German prison guards in a prison cell and got on the Morse code and says, we have liberated ourselves. Come and see for yourselves. We have, we have overcome. They tapped the Morse code. And so I'm gonna show you a picture. This is a picture of the allied troops. These are the allied troops walking into the front door. And, and if you wanna go and do some great reading this, this week, go and look at what they saw when they walked into the front door. I won't show you the pictures because, but these are men who are almost starved to death. And when they opened those front doors, they were all standing in the central courtyard with giant smiles on their faces because somewhere along the way they had found hope and they did not give up. New Life Church, I wanna give you some good news this morning. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. I don't know what you're wrestling with this morning, but I wanna tell you something, you have more strength than you know. So what is it, what, what if we have more strength than we know? What, what if we're already free enough to do the hard thing? And this is what the prisoners at Buchenwald decided, we are enough, we can overcome these people, and if we don't, help is on the way. And something rose up inside of them and they liberated themselves. New Life Church, we've made, we're made of the stuff of heaven. You're, you're not as weak as you think. There's a strength, there's a reservoir of strength that you can tap into. There is a reservoir of power that you can tap into that's made available to you. The Spirit of God is upon you. The strength of heaven overshadows you. The power of Christ hovers and dwells around you. All you have to do is ask for strength and it is yours. You can have it. You don't have to give up. You don't have to quit. You're made of the stuff of heaven. You're the people of the resurrection. Can I remind you this morning that you are the people of the resurrection. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Last night I was sitting out, stars are out last night, sitting out last night just praying over this message and I said, Jesus, are you coming back? And clearly, clearly I hear back, Help is on the way, Brady. I am returning. Listen, Christ will come back. We, we just recited that as part of our confession before we got water baptism. Christ will return in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. New Life Church, I cannot promise you a political savior. I cannot promise you a social savior. I can promise you a savior that will return. And when he returns, his kingdom will have no end. His help will be enough, and he's given us enough right now to not give up. Can you stand with me this morning? Let's stand together. I wanna do something, I'm gonna take just a couple of minutes this morning, and I wanna remind you why we come together as a church. Now, for those of you watching online, we're grateful you are watching today. And at some point, we wanna welcome you to come and be a part of the physical gathering of the church. Let me tell you why it's important. Because there's two groups of people that walked in the building this morning. And every one of you sitting here today are in one of, one of these two groups. One group, you walked in and you feel encouraged, you feel strong, you feel like the Lord's smiling on you. You feel the wind at your back right now. 
You're feeling a lot of favor from the Lord. You're feeling, and there's no reason to feel guilty about that. In fact, when that happens in your life, you should celebrate the fact you feel strong, feel capable. By God's grace, you've not given up and you're running the race full throttle right now. And I just wanna say, well done, keep running the race, be strong. And there's another group that walked in this morning and you feel that you're at midnight. You're living in a midnight time of your life where everything seems a bit dark. And you wonder if the sun will ever rise again. You are wondering if joy will return in the morning. Now each of us have something to offer today. If you're in that first group where you feel strong, feel capable, then I want you to give that strength away. I want you to pray for your brothers and sisters around you because you may not know which group is sitting to your right and to your left. But if you're one of the strong ones this morning, would you just give that strength away? If you're one of the ones living at midnight, would you receive it? See, that's what happens in the church. I, I don't know if you know this, you have an important mission by being in the church. You didn't come here today as spectators. Hopefully you didn't walk in here as a consumer of religious goods. You're here today to do ministry. So if you're strong, we give it away. If you feel weak, then you receive. By God's grace, you're going to be strong one day. You're going to recover. You're going, joy will come in the morning, I promise you. It will not always feel dark. We're gonna sing this song and I, I think I've told you the story behind this song before, but John Egan wrote this song and he doesn't mind me telling you the story, but he wrote this song years ago when he personally was going through a midnight season of his life. And I'll let him tell the details of that in his own words at some point, but I know this for a fact as his friend, as someone who's known him for 14 years, this was the darkest time I've ever seen John walk through. And out of that dark experience in his life where he was wrestling and the Lord gave him this song. And we sing about 50 songs that John Egan wrote, but I think this might be one of my favorite because I know what was going on in his life when he wrote the song because he was a part of the midnight group. He didn't feel strong, he didn't feel capable, he didn't feel like an overcomer, and he wrote the song, Overcome. That song he also wrote, so think about this. He wrote the song, Overcome, and he wrote the song you're about to sing. And here's the good news, whenever you find yourself at midnight, or when you find yourself as an overcomer, or whether you find yourself living at midnight, Jesus is enough. So can we just pray together, Father in heaven, we thank you that you're right here with us. And I pray today that everyone in this room and everyone watching online would be strong, that they would not be afraid. But Lord, we thank you that you are enough, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to us. You have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Now, Lord, I pray that we would not grow weary while doing good. Our Father, I thank you that it is a promise from the Lord that we will reap what we have sown. What we have done in private will be rewarded in public. So Father, we thank you for that. Let us, let us not lose heart today. Let us find hope. Let us discover a strength that we did not know we possessed. Lord, I pray now over everyone in the room, be strong, be strong and be not afraid. Let's sing this song together. And after we sing the song, we're gonna come to the table of the Lord. Here in this place, I will wait 
you have your communion elements, you can go ahead and grab them and open them up. What a, a beautiful sermon to preach to the table of the Lord. I love what Pastor Brady said that normally we hear those words, you reap what you sow as some form of warning or, or rebuke. But I need you to hear me this morning. The good news of the gospel, brothers and sisters, is that we get the honor and privilege of reaping what Christ has sown. We reap new life, healing, wholeness, redemption, restoration. And what he sowed was his body and his blood shed for us. And so when we sit here 2,000 years later and we experience the weariness, we experience the exhaustion, we hear the voice in our heads telling us to give up, and we know we have nothing left, Jesus looks at us across the table and he says, let me be everything in your nothing. Can you bow your heads with me as you, as you hold the elements in your hands? And with your heads bowed, I'd just love for you to picture that you are sitting at the table with Jesus. As you are, not better, not worse, just as you are today. And all he is saying to you is receive me. I am enough. I am enough. In your weariness, I am enough. In your strength, I am enough. You don't need to do more. You don't need to be more. Just simply receive me. And with that in mind, we remember that on the night he was betrayed, our beloved Savior, he took the bread and he broke it. And he looked at his followers and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let's take the bread together. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. I have washed you. I have made you new. You are to reap new life, healing, wholeness, redemption. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let's take the cup. And if you can, in your own words, can you just begin to thank him, praise him, glorify him, sing to him because he's worthy of it. that you are enough this morning. I pray that it would be said of us, every man, every woman in this room, that we would not lose heart. 
but we would press on. We would keep moving forward because we know that help is on the way. Brothers and sisters, can you open your hands with me this morning as I send you out with the benediction. May you know that this light and momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory that is just not worth being compared to right now. As you go from this place, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his bright, smiling countenance towards you. And may he grant you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise one more time for what he's done today? Hey, just a couple things before you leave. I want to go ahead and invite our prayer ministry team to come down here. If you need prayer for anything, we would absolutely love to pray with you this morning. If it's your very first time here this morning, we would love to invite you to Connect Central right outside these doors directly following the service. And finally, we have some section parties today. Um, I think we're going to put them right up here on the screen. So sections 8, 9, and 11. We'd love to connect with you following the service. Please go. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you.